0: We're continuing our journey through uh, from the life of Elijah. And again, our verse for this morning comes from James chapter 5. We continue to see how God uh, works through this prophet and thus applying it to our lives. Because in chapter 5 of James, starting in verse Thirteen says, Any among you suffering, let him pray. Anyone cheerful, let him sing songs. Anyone among you sick, let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him, marking him with the oil and the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Seventeen and eighteen. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, and it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and yours produced his fruit. Father God, we just thank you that we have a chance to look at this man again, look at this person of yours, and, and glean from him. Glean from your interacting with him and your ministering through him. God, we're thankful that we get to lean from it and to our lives as we've been reminded by the New Testament that he was just like us. We're just like him. And God, I pray that the end result of this morning would be that we would all be uh, encouraged that you meet the lonely, you meet the downcast, you meet the frustrated, the confused, and you do it in special ways. So, God, I just pray that you would encourage each one in this, this building today and those to might listen to this later and just say, Lord, that we love you, that we're indebted to you, that we're thankful this time with us, and we just set our hearts and minds upon you, and your word right now in Jesus' name, amen. So please turn to 1 Kings, after reading that verse in James, and we last week went over chapter 17, last part 16 and 17, this morning we're going to be 18 and 19, and um, just to break down again that passage in James, in the Amplified Version is Selvah. Yeah, the Amplified Version is the version of the Bible that takes the Greek and expands on it in English, and uh, basically what it does for us is it allows us to really glean the nuances of the, of the Greek text, and in this case, the Amplified Version that translates James 5.17 as Elijah's human being, and the a very generic way of just saying a man, just no guy, with a nature such as we have, same passions, same desires, same feelings, same affections. The same constitution as ourselves, and he prayed earnestly that it would be a different for years. That's a amplified version. So you get this uh, impression again that Elijah uh, was no different than him. We're no different than him. We're just normal human beings, and you know, trying to live life in obedience and faith. And, um, but I just wanted to quickly go through some background for those of you who weren't here last week, but also the professor for those, because it's so important. This background has everything to do with how we translate the passage that we're going to read two chapters. So the first one is uh, that this is a scene, Elijah's on the scene in the north, post of war. Uh, Israel's to the north, Jews to the south. They're one unified body. They split. And this is uh, years afterwards. Elijah's raised up in the north in a place of real wickedness. The uh, King Ahab was the leader of Israel to the north. He had a lovely wife, Jezebel, who we talked about last time. was not lovely at all. She was lovely in a wicked sense. She uh, wanted to be a wicked woman, you could have your life after her because there weren't Um, because of her emphasis on eradicating, systematic eradication, annihilation of any worship or remnant thereof of the one true living God. Okay, so she basically said, I want all of the Jehovah God stuff to get out. Um, I will kill anyone who is a proponent of that religion, and she did, she started wiping out prophets very wickedly. Um, She did, because she had the ear, she had the sway of her husband. He wasn't that strong of a guy. He guy. Didn't have that big of a spine, so to speak. He was a pretty weak king, and he was at the spoiler display, well, and it was very wicked. So Elijah comes seemingly out of nowhere, and he answers God's call to really bring the nation to the north, Israel, to repentance and come back to him. Really? That's real important. Baal worship in is, is is really important to look at yeah, and just real quickly we'll do that. Is that you would have Baal worship, it was signified by localities. Baal in one locality might differ a little bit on the emphasis of another Baal in another locality to the north in this area of Phoenicia. And basically, one would emphasize perhaps rain. Baal, if I rain, afraid of Baal and he'd be over rain.
1: Another locality, maybe they would
0: emphasize more of the fire aspect. But it's all having to do with nature. It all has aspects to do with if you want something from him. Yeah, production of your crops, you want production of your livestock, you want it to rain, you want it not to rain, whatever, you're going to go to Baal because he's the one in charge of that bread. So you can see right away that we go into Elijah. He's called to go against that and say there's one true living God and he's in control of the universe. He created it all. You know there's going to be a direct conflict coming, right? Well, that's where you get chapter 18. Everybody, famous chapter, most people familiar at least with an Old Testament of the Bible are familiar with this passage. Elijah says it's time for a showdown between Baal, who's a false God, and Jehovah God. We're going to put them together and see who comes out victorious based on who answers the prayer of their servants of that Okay? So he's going to go toe to toe with that nature aspect of Baal. Uh, where else in Scripture does Elijah show up? This guy was significant. The reason I point this out is because um, it'd be one thing to say. You know, we're going to, James is taking examples of all the people that pattern prayer like that. he patterns it after this guy, Elijah. He says, of all the things in the Old Testament, of all the characters Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on, David, Solomon, he says, Elijah was a man just like that, and he prayed this way, and it happened. Okay? Um, Elijah is elsewhere in the Bible. In the First Kings, and the Second Kings, he's there He has uh, fire come down, and it uh, consumes these groups of 50, has a lot of fire and a lot of fire activity going on for this guy. Um, they didn't want to stand too close to him just in case. But he had a it's like in 2 Kings chapter two. Man, what an exit! He just leaves the chariot of fire, doesn't have to die, and uh, God takes him to heaven in heaven the chariot of fire. Malachi like chapter four, the end of the Old Testament, we see Malachi being prophesied that he would come before the great day of the Lord, before the Messiah come. And actually, Jesus later in the New Testament says John the Baptist is Elijah. And so it like keeps coming up, and then ultimately in chapter 17 of Matthew, that's where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to this mount that we call, referred to as Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus' countenance changes time. His face is like the sun. His clothes are white like no one's ever seen before, and he's transformed in their presence, hence the name. But who's he there with? Shows up to talk with i have a little bit of trouble with Who's up there to, to talk with him at this mountain? But Moses. And I think Peter identifies him right away. There was no. I wonder who that is. Uh, oh, yeah, that's Moses. He's got the staff. Let's see. It. Okay. Who's that other guy? No, it's like, hey, it's good that we're here, Jesus, Peter says. Uh, let me build a tabernacle. Let me build a tent. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Lazarus. So it wasn't any guessing game there. My point in that is to say, this guy shows me a camp so noticeable. And when you get to heaven one day and you see Elijah, I think you're gonna know right away who oh, he is. Um, I don't know if that maybe as some char charcoal or something from all the fire activity. I don't know what it is. But there's something about it. It's like, yeah, hey, that's Elijah, no doubt about it. That's Moses, no doubt about it. So this is a this is a significant man in the No more significant than you or me, but nonetheless, somebody we could look at and say, how does this how does this life? How does God's intervention and activity within that that How does that resonate with me? How does that affect to me? And that's where we're going with all of this for the two weeks. Both last week and how does it affect my prayer life? How do I pray? Do I pray for big things or do I just pray this, in this way that just doesn't ever give God the opportunity to do the miraculous? That was kind of last week, but this week's more of a survey. We're looking, we're examining how does God interact with that person that gives their life to God and says, use me, I am. That's where we're at, chapter 18 and 19. Now, chapter 18 is a very exciting chapter. But, you guys, in all well, I love chapter 19 more than chapter 18. We're going to see one. You don't have to change That's just my perspective. Okay, first one, chapter 18, 1 Kings. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to light in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Abraham, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah's been waiting three and a half years for this, or thereabouts, and uh, God says the drought's coming to an end. But not just, he said, I want you to go to Ahab and present yourself to him. He's already done that before, right? He's, he went there to say, hey, there's going to be drought. At my word, it won't rain until I say so. Well, now God's saying, okay, it's so time to go back. It's been about three and a half years. Kind of go back to talk to him and give him an update on oh, what the plan is. Verse 2, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And there was a severe famine in Samaria. This is the morning. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken one hundred prophets of them, fifty to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. So this guy's kind of like a Joseph, if you will. Remember, Joseph had charge of of Potiphar's uh, house. Basically, had his way to, to use resources here and there. This is a guy in that similar case where God had put him in place in the north. He still feared the Lord when everybody else was going goo goo gaga over male worship. He stayed true to God and he and hides he people from being killed. Kind of like Holocaust, where people stuck their own neck out there to protect some Jewish people. In many cases, hundreds, or a few cases. I just went to the Holocaust Museum. But that aspect of sticking your own neck out there on the line so that people aren't killed in a systematic analysis and annihilation plan. Well, that's what Obadiah did for these Jewish uh, people, these prophets here in Caves. And so Ahab said to Obadiah, let's go, out. let's go out and see if we can find not one like, cave, hey, this is a nice plan for today, but this is desperate time. After three and a half years, Ahab says, Obadiah, you and me are going to look for some property to have some water and some grass and hopefully we won't have to kill all the livestock But some of them will survive. Now, you know, this... The reason why I kind of like this is because it's so desperate a time that the king would go out and do that himself tells you how desperate a time it was. You really do you do just as a king say, I'm gonna go forage for food, right? You have somebody who will do that. There are a lot of people that would do that. For you. just goes to desperation. But he tells Obadiah, you go that way, I'll go this way, let's so we can find something. Well, guess who meets Obadiah on his <laughs> way? And this some sake of time. But Elijah Prophet comes to him and he says, Hey, I want to talk to Ahab. And Obadiah's like, uh, that's not a good plan. Can we have another plan? Because I know how God moves you. You don't stay in one place very long. And if I go back to Ahab and say, Elijah wants to meet with you, Ahab, King Ahab, and then he goes to go meet with you, and you're not there because God moved you on, then guess who gets killed? I do. And I've already been sticking my neck in. If you yeah. haven't heard, Elijah, I've and I prophesying. So that's he's like, I don't want to do it. He's like, hey. <laughs> And Elijah's time kind to of reassure him. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. As surely as I'm standing before the Lord, I'm going to be here. So he trusts him. He goes back, tells Ahab. Ahab comes out. And in verse 16 of chapter 18, we pick up the story. It says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him when Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O Lord of Israel? Is that you? Have you come back after three and a half years? After that old thing that you did way back in my palace, where you told me it would rain, and actually it hasn't rained? Are you back for more? Do you know how much you've been taken off, pay off? Do you know that it hasn't rained because of you, and obviously because of me? Because if if you would have been nice, if you would have fallen in line, we would have plenty of rain. But you didn't, so we've been in drought. He's basically saying he's caused the chaos desperation, and the next that happened because of the drought. Unnagably, a lot of people had perished. And that is the personal attack. And so Elijah had a choice. What do I do with that? Well, what he chose to do was answer right back. I'll the Lord. And he says in verse 18, I have not trouble with Israel, but you and your father's house and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have fallen in the the Lord. So get right to the point. You want to know the the real reason why all of this has happened? Why God has chosen to do this is because you guys have forsaken Him and followed Baal. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asher who eat at Jezebel's table. So he throws in. He says, uh, "Meet me up top of a mountain. This is a mountain close to the sea, uh, there in the north." And he says, "Meet me there with 150 prophets." This guy's going on. Like, just get whoever you want. Just make sure. I want everyone there, but make sure that 450 prophets are there from Baal. And probably 400 from Ashram, which was a Canaanite goddess. Uh, just basically saying, this is still time. And after this, no one's going to be wondering who's really God. After this, we're going to see enough of this folly. Baal reached up. Just the carpet. So Ahab said, for all the children of Israel, gather the prophets together on Mount Carmel. All the people and said, How long do you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal follow him. But the people have not to work. So this guy's bold, direct, right to the point, and they don't say a word in response. So if all the people are there in that audience and they only say one word. Now why does that happen? Why do people false type when they're accused of something? it's true. Right? No response. So it's a really tense moment, and he's calling them out. He says, If God's God, God follow him. If fails God, follow him. And just to prove the point, we're going to have a chance to follow you through. Verse 22. And Elijah said to the people, I alone left a prophet of the Lord. Was that true, by the way? No. Now, God preserved 70,000 people that did not found the he says, I am a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bowls, and let them choose one bowl for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire here. I'll prepare the other bowl, lay it on the wood, but put no fire in If you call the name of your gods, I'll call the name of the Lord. God, answered by fire, he is God. So all will do the same. Good. So we will do that. Same thoughts. right? If you're real, really, truly believing the Baal's God. Then you're pretty excited at this point. And not only that, you're feeling pretty comfortable because there's 450 in your camp and there's just a liza in the other camp. Those are good. Well, if you use that hand, Brutus and all his gang, you'll take them out. So we're we really not really about this at all profit of Baal. Verse 25, now Elijah said the prophets available choose one bull for yourselves. I'm not going to choose it, you guys choose it. I didn't set this up in advance. You can examine the bull. We're just going to make sure that it's a miracle that happens if it happens. He says cut it first you are dating and calling the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bowl which was given them and they prepared it and called the name of Baal from morning till noon. Saying, here's their prayer. Obey all, hear us. But there was no voice. And I only not No one answered. Nobody answered. You didn't catch the first part. Catch it. Nothing happened. That's what he said. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So They made this altar. Give leaped about. That's an interesting word, leap. It's the same like dance hop. It's the same word that Elijah said to basically um, how long I'm gonna go and leap about between two occasions. Now How long hop. it's the same word. Basically, uh, one of the commentators I was reading he was describing it as a bird who hops from limb to limb in a tree, not really knowing where they're gonna settle, not really too concerned about it either, just kind of hopping about. And that's Elijah's challenge to You guys are not Chosen once and for all where to land and set up your land. Does it sound familiar? Anyone, know, anyone, even yourself, who has a freely made, says, I have not chosen. I have not settled. I'm leaping about okay? it. And Elijah's like, How long does that go on before you choose? And there is definitely a time for us to choose who we're going to serve. Elijah was called, them out since we're called out the same way. That's why we actually give people an opportunity to accept the Lord. And some people would say, is that really true Are you accepting the Lord? Well, it's a totally use Okay, it's not perfect. But there's a point of decision, isn't there? When you're saying, I, like Joshua, I'm choosing this day on oh, this circle. There's a lot. But as far as me and my household, Mr. serve the Lord, men, 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 make decisions for made. We're going to serve the Lord. There's a definitive, we're not going to bounce. I'm going to lead my wife. I'm going to lead my family in the ways of the living true God. And we're not going to settle for distractions of the chaos or the and it's, and it's something that saying, yeah, like say, yeah, raise your torch. I believe in that, road. In a place where you get fired up like some pet talk about. We're really talking about, when the road meets the road, who you serve? Big isn't a decision in your heart to say, God, Not only that, I'm yours. And I'll leave that and leave my family in that way too. And if you're a single mom and you're leaving your home in a way that says you're, you wish you had a leader there as a male, it's still the same choice for you as well. You leave your family to the Lord. And as you do that, God's glorified. So what's verse 12, 17? The life lost it was, verse 27, that Elijah mocked it. and said, Cry aloud, for, it, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he's dizzy or he's on a journey. He's obviously got there must be God somewhere, right? Or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awake. So, the you know, he's sticking his finger in his knee. He's mocking. He's like, whoop it up a little bit more, guys? Is your God, in some versions, it does, it does say, is your God on the toilet? You know, so he can't come because he's in an opportune uh, moment. You know, that's what he's saying here. And he's mocking. Can you imagine <laughs> There's probably a couple guys being held back by the other guys in the camp of the Baal. they probably say, just let me have, just let, I got a spear, I have you right now. They're come in, we still got a talk with Baal. So that's what happens, they continue to cry out. Verse 28, they cried aloud, or I'm sorry, verse 27, uh, verse 28, they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances. So this wasn't a new thing, so it was their custom. Now, is this so archaic? This doesn't ever happen anywhere in the world, even today. Where you've so far in you're of your belief that you would cut yourself. No, it happens, you turn on the news, Middle East, man. There's whole parades where you just see gushing blood. I know it's not directly uh, an accusation of anyone, but I would just say that this is the same thing. When you mean business, as far as your belief system, and you're willing to go that length to which it says, I will hurt myself. happens today, which as a parenthetical sign up, I would say, brings relativism, and believe whatever you believe on its head. Why? Because here, just like today, sincerity does not tell you what's true. Right? Sincerity, even to the point where you hurt yourself to demonstrate to others what you believe in is true, does not say, ultimately, what is true. And that's to be fair, that's true for all of us believers, isn't it? That's true for me, because I sincerely get up and preach the word of God. and I believe in it. Does not make that which I which I preached this morning even true. It's got to be true for the sake of truth. And guess what God's concerned at or is concerned about for this whole scene with Elijah? And Elijah actually says, "That's my motivation. That everyone is here and will know that you're the truth." So the sincerity. Uh, just believing what you believe, that's not the whole story, is it? That's not the most important aspect to our faith, whatever it may be. It's not truth. The truth is what's most important. Really? Okay. So they start cutting themselves to the point, look at this, that the blood gushed out of them. Gushed. Wasn't small like folk They're cutting themselves and they're letting the blood run. And it's a release of the thing. Can you imagine? if if they all doesn't respond right now, when is he gonna respond? <laughs> and so what happens? When the day was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the eating sacrifice, but there was no voice, no answer, again, no one paid attention. It's amazing. Then Elijah said up to the people, okay, now it's time for Bible to say, all oh, let's, let's right, get to the Lord here. Come in says to all the people, it's time to come close. Don't want to miss a thing. So all the people came near. Him, and he replied, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And why does that thing again? I've uh, studied so lately, reading, and, uh, you know, made a trip to D.C., and he is so inspired to figure to me. So, anyways... But one of the things when he was his presidential inauguration address, both times, he yeah, had two His emphasis was on communion being preserved at all costs, And he, he really truly believed that either we're all going to be slave states, territories, or we're all going to be free, but we're not going to be mixed. Over the long haul, the house divided, the a kind of and it's all about preserving the union. And here, Eliza's taking 12 stones symbolic. Why? Because they've already experienced the Civil War, and they're experiencing the the division. He's in the north, he's taking 12 stones, and he says, Israel, or governed by God means we're united. There's one God. There's one Israel. At least they're supposed to be. And right now, we're divided. A very significant message to everyone in this of Israelite. A heritage. Because he's saying that it's not good, it's not right, the way things are. And as you go to verse if you see God glorified, he's glorified in unity the body in the So you may be a stone that's purposed in your own heart, so to speak, that you're going to distance yourself from the of the body of Christ. I would say the Lord's will is that we would be united body of Christ in unity, unified on the essentials of the gospel, letting everything else trickle out as unnecessary and say there's something to be said for not us being so myopic that we think our way is best and we can we're just one church in the community, great community of the city, for example. We're just one area of the work of Christ. We're just one church that's trying to do its best, but there's many others that we're united with. And it's best that way. It's the most glorified of God. Um, verse 32. Then with a stone he built an altar in the name of the Lord, he made a transfer of altar large enough to hold two space of seed. and he put the wood in order, cut the bowl of pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water on the bird sacrifice and the wood. You see they all. in this? He's like, if if Bayal has answer you, I'm just gonna make sure that you guys all know who's really got I'm gonna pour some water over my sacrifice. He notice he didn't do it for the other one. And then he has him do it a second time, and then a third time, and uh Verse 36, it came to pass at the time of offering of the evening sacrifice to the lives of the prophet who came near and said, Lord, now here's, a, here's our, our glimpse into his prayer life, right? Big God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. So whose place was this whole crazy scene? God. God gave it to life. Just carrying it out. And now he's saying, God, I've followed you this far. And now it's time for you to glorify yourself. And look at thirty-seven. This is really this is really critical. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you turn your, their hearts back to you again. Now look at he's he's seen the miraculous happen, going back in previous chapter, thinking of like the widow experience that he's just had where the widow did have food, but God miraculously provided for him, the widow, and her son. He's seeing he's these guys cry out to Baal all day, all night. And now he's at the point where he's like, Lord, hear me. He says again, hear me. So what does that tell you? It tells me that it, as you look back in your life, there's always another moment where there's still faith necessary. Because at this point, Elijah hasn't read all of chapter 18 on we week. We're just waiting, like, hey, would you just get to where the fire comes down, please, and stop talking? That's the exciting part. I like to know it's happening. We've not it hasn't happened yet, guys. And he's waiting, and he's like, Lord, this is it. This is the moment. This is the cross. This is when you either show up or on your toes. Your name is, is profane, and we we'll all leave knowing that no, there isn't no. And he's like, here's the place of faith that, that takes you from, even though everything you know and you've experienced takes that next step. When you say, Lord, in this moment, here I am again, please come through for your demonstration. And get this the end result is that people's hearts would be turned to you. That's what your life is about, you guys. That's what must is about. It's that people would see God move, answer prayer, when we're dependent upon him, and that people that are around us would see God move and have their hearts turned back to him. So the Lord will be eager to respond to us in our prayers that are good prayers, or is he going to be reluctant? Is he thinking mostly about us, or about him, when he answers the prayer? I'm convinced it's about him, his and that's good for us. the the Lord fell, he the burnt sacrifice and the wood, and the stones and the dust, and lifted up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, "Seize the prophets of Baal, and don't let them one of them escape. So they seized them all and Elijah brought them down to the his Kishon, and he executed them from there. Four of them, fifty guys go in. They were all pleading. He just finishes the job. In just just application of God's wrath. Now they say they say it sounds like a great thing. They're all saying on their faces, Lord's God, Lord's God, but that's a temporary revival, you guys. It didn't last. We always see evidence of it in the next chapters. And in the last few verses, there, Elijah starts seeing the clouds come, and uh, he knows the rain's coming, and he actually runs ahead of back to his palace as uh, this whole scene takes place. So, if I'm going to do an informal poll of where Elijah's at, where would you put it? Top of the mountaintop experience or in the pits of despair? At this point, he's, it doesn't take any better than that, right? He's I mean, seeing miracle happen. He's see a couple grow, and at this point, God's consumed the sacrifice so much that there's no water. How many people would be pretty stoked at that point? Now, if you if you're a guy, you're gonna you're gonna send uh, as a reporter to go report on how Elijah's doing at this point. You'd expect it to be pretty stoked, right? Here comes the rain. There's so much rain. He told, uh, Ahab, "It's going to rain." And here comes the, the rain cloud. They opened up again. His prayers have been answered, and you, and and so you're going to be the reporter. You're going go to, Isaiah, and you, and you're going to ask him, what are, you, "What are you thinking about? What was your greatest moment? Was it that the fire coming down? Was it your prayers being answered? Was it actually executing the justice of these uh, these prophets that had been leading people astray for so so long?" You know what he said? at 19. This is why I value 19 so highly. So you know what? I I, I can get rid of about five, right? I'm so frustrated. Is that what you anticipated hearing? Like, what are you saying? Let me get this down because I'm going to report this to people. And you said, What? Got into the cribs. What's going on? Something happens because look at 19. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel, Elijah had done. Also, how he executed all the prophets with a sword. So, where it gets back up there? He's the source, right? In, in a lot of ways. And that Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I don't mention your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. She gives them a 24 hour window of life. What is his response? I got fired. I don't know what to do. With it. Who cares about this lady I've got to get toe to toe 450. What does he say? Or what does he do? And when he saw that, when he heard the report, he arose and ran for his life. He had the fight or flight mechanism triggered big time, and he decides to, you know, exit the stage door. Right. And he runs all the way to the south in Judah, where it's probably a little bit more safe. They're not as pro the bail, a the man, He goes all the way to the sea, but That's about 50 or 60 miles. So he basically says, I'm headed out. I don't know how far I'm going to go. It takes a servant with him. We're going south because she wants my life. Now, over, and then looked to what he says. He himself went a day's journey beyond the servant and went into the wilderness. This is the desert. And came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed. And we get another glimpse. The of a man just like us. And he prayed that he might die and said, I, said, I, quit. I quit. Now, Lord, take my life from no better than my. quit the ministry, but I quit my life to catch that. I quit being alive. Take me that The guy basically wants God to kill you. You're like, wait a second, hold on. You saw the widow and the son raised the life. You, you went toe-to-toe with the, all the prophets. And now you're here in the wilderness because you're running for your life, and more than that, you want to die so you can be done. Quit? Really, Elijah? Is that where you come coming to you? So, to throw out Elijah was a man just like us. He had the same desires, he had the same feelings, he had the same fight or flight mechanisms that we do. He had the same confusion. God how could you show up that big and nobody actually ultimately serves you? That's that was the whole machine for and nothing's happening. In fact, I'm just gonna be wiped out in the middle of life. That's where Elijah found And I think in large part when you see Elijah Transfigured on the mount, transfiguration of Jesus, that's not the first time to think of, right? I you don't know see, like, oh, there's Moses, there's Jesus, there's Elijah, and that's the guy who wanted to commit suicide or one God to end his life. I don't think that's what it comes to mind, right? What comes to mind is that fire coming down, and that's great, we all be it. But, but you know what? Look at how the Lord ministers to a guy or a gal who's at that place of love. And also, can I be so far and so forward to say that those who feel, and even in the presence today, if you guys have been there, we actually want God to end it or take you out or you're done or you're quit or your expectations for ministry or life or whatever have not been met. So your satisfaction, you've gotten you know, there, you're like, I'm out of here or I can't deal with this or these events threw me a curveball to the point where you want to help. I would say you're not abnormal? And you're specially invited to this place of God's provision to minister to you so that you're not staying in that place. God is, a, is an amazing God who loves to, to look across the landscape. Remember this verse? He's looking to and fro throughout the earth. really written for a king who was desperate when his army was far outnumbered. He's like looking to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are fully his. That is a God that's looking for, not the person to say, hey, I'm the strongest, but the person that says, you know what, I don't have me. And look at this is why chapter nineteen it is so wonderful a passage, especially after eighteen, because it would be it would be something that nineteen story was right after the son died, the will right? This would be appropriate. But this comes right after the victory, this comes after the spiritual high of seeing guys uh, seeing God move. That tells you something about uh, uh, Jezebel's reaction to him and, and how it triggered something's heart that said, God one more thing goes wrong, man. Can I think that's what happened? It was like a conditional obedience to say, as long as things are going, you know, this, this is the limit. In other words, God. After this, after one more disappointment, you know, I don't know if this is true. I'll get to ask the Bible one day, ask But I just kind of conjecture so into the story, what made him get so quick from the high to the low of wanting God to take him out? And you know, I think it, it becomes this conditional obedience. Now, just to be honest, anybody in there before. confused or who's talking for us. fight-and-flight mechanism. I think a And if you haven't been there again, you're going to be there sometime. Right? so So, what does God do with the first one in this place? Barely, the first few one is, this is the most crucial part in application. He says this to God in all honesty. God doesn't say, "No, Elijah, you're right. It's time to take you out. You failed the test. But he doesn't do it. As he lay and he slept under broom tree, suddenly the an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank, and he lay down again. This guy was utterly exhausted, to the point of utter exhaustion. And God says, This guy needs to rest, and he needs to eat, and he needs to be refreshed physically. And as the an angel came back the second time and touched him, and said, Arise, and eat. So he'd gone back into sleep. He was so exhausted and he was so mostly spent. And he went in the strength of that food the second time, 40 days through 40 nights, as far as poorly, the mountain of God. That's the same mountain where Moses, by the way, received the law. Okay? It's another name for Mount Sinai. So God takes him to this place or miraculous place where he can be reminded, if you will, of God's intervention and a guy who is also up and down in his experience with God. Everybody know that's true about Moses? He takes a little place of ministry for Moses, and he says, I want you to have a good nap, and I want you to have some good food. Amen to that. Woo! Sabbath. I need a Sabbath. Lord, bring you a Sabbath, please. Sabbath, Jesus said, was made for man. Not man, for Sabbath. It's a gift. Sometimes we just need some good sleep. When you're thoroughly exhausted, don't feel wrong about actually sleeping. As long as it's you sleep. And then he gives them a nice. Uh, my mind goes a tri-tip sandwich. If you guys are vegetarians, you might think toaster sandwich. I think mean, you say, "Take, take your, you know, it's time to eat. It's time to get some good food." And he does it twice. So God cares about that. That's my point. He cares about your your physical well-being. Now Elijah's heart wasn't totally changed yet. He was enjoying some good rest. It, I know that because it says in verse nine, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. So it's more sweet. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Like and so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord the God of hosts, for the children of Israel who have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. That just tells me his physical body had been restored, but where's his heart? And God's I mean, had it been revived, had it been restored. He's still saying, I'm the only one left. I've served zealously, me, 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 ba. Blah, blah. And what does God do? He says, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. I know your heart's not in the right place. I have one more thing to show you, Elijah. This ministers you. And behold, the Lord passed by. A great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still a small noise. That's amazing. Why does God do this? think you just wants to remind I'm the God of the miraculous, I'm the same God that was on the mountain, I'm the same God that brought fire upon the sacrifice, but more importantly, I'm the same God who cares about the individual as much as the means of the people. That I'm going to be very man, in a still small place. And, and you guys, for those of, those of you, those of myself included, that have been in the place where you just like, Lord. There's nothing better than a still small voice again. I mean, keep it me this way. I know God's big. I'm not, I'm not needing that to be convinced of that. I walk on the very earth as a testimony all the time. And the gravity keeps me there. But more than that, I just want to hear God's still small voice. Is that true for you guys? Even when it doesn't make sense, even when I want to quit, all I want is God's still small voice. It's all I want. And God, knew that heart change still had to happen. So this is where he takes me. He takes me to the mouth and he says, hey, I'm the same guy that cares about you. And where do we get next to a small voice application time? Saints, people, is if we have to get a place. In a sense, we have to go to a mountain with God. We're not distracted by our crazy schedules, by all those things that are weighing us down. We need to get away and literally just take his word and pray and hear from the Holy Spirit. Please. Especially when we're confused about what we should be doing. You know, it says not Elijah was a man or a person, an amplified just like you and me. And God's showing here, and He's showing to all of us together that He cares about you physically more than that, He cares about where you're working. And cares about ministering to you through all the chaos of life. And here's the right response in verse thirteen, and we're going to wrap it up with this verse. So it was, when Elijah heard of this still small voice, that he wrapped his face in this mantle. goes through to what you do in your life. It says the same thing. We know that like, the work has not been done. But he, it says he takes off his mantle. His mantle would have been like a cloak that basically said to everyone, I'm a prophet of the Lord. So he takes that role off for a second. What about, it's not about what he's doing for God. It's not about being a staff member at that time. It's not about being a prophet. It's not about being a pastor. It's not about being a mom. It's not about the role. He's taking it off, and he's saying, it's in his hands. This is as if he just takes that and just puts his head down and and humbles himself before God. He said, I'm just a weak, horrible to God, and you're you're still passive with me? Even though I'm so brutally homeless, I accused you of killing the widow's son. Here I am accusing you of of just not giving me what I need. And all you can do is just take off that little... Hold it in his hands and put a space down in it and just say, God, it's nothing. I'm just a man. And James goes up to my mouth and says, He's a man just like us. That's the right response. We just lay it all in form. It's not my role. It's not what I'm doing. It's not who I'm serving. It's not my zealousness for you. It's about you being being back to me, which I need, which is my Father and Savior. And He just puts His hand. Him with the fact that he has other people serving him. 7,000. That is not claw me, I'm sure I sure. It's my way, it's my job. And he and he got that refreshment and 40 days and 40 nights, and he goes and then he gives a marching order for what's next. And will I just tell you guys, perhaps there's, a, there's there's just some people that just need to know that there's still work to be done in your life, like there was for Elijah. That's what Scott's gonna give you, because you you're on yourself. Remind you, there's other ministry that happened because there's other people that even help And really, that's how we get out of ourselves, right? We remind i God's still got some things he wants to do. And what ends up happening is Elijah goes in a chariot, and he actually sees the face of Jesus. And may I remind you, as weird as it gets, as confusing as it gets, that you're going to see the face of Jesus. Serving him when people don't, don't react to their spirit and draw them. the loss, all of that. One destination for us in Christ, the face of Jesus, just left with him. transfiguration. the church excited about that. And I don't, yeah, it's, it's worth laughing for because you know what? Even if I don't go out and carry the fire, I mean, I, I still put my boat in there for God to hear. Him. But if I get, if I have to go. Up, if I have to go in some way, and that's the destination afterward, so be it. I'm still going to serve I'm still going to decide. I'm not jumping from branch to branch. I'm just saying, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm here more than that. I need you. It's not being a pastor. It's just putting my head down. It's God, meet me. Speak to me. So that's your problem. Amen? Sounds good. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. You guys have been sitting in a long time. any visitors here to, to give like, it's time for worship and I, I just like in the worship that we have, it's tough for us, in our little bit of faith, you know, kind of like, you know the facts about God and then and then you brought to that plant Elijah, in, it, now it's kind of worship and you worship and you say, I know what's true about you, God, gonna sing it, talk in love, no matter the voice I happen to have, or the lack thereof. It's our time to say, here's my faith, God, continue to work in my life and change me, so, I can be ready for whatever Mount Carmel is, or actually more than that, like Mount Tiber, where I need to be. So, that's that's our job is we come worship, and we'll do that now Lord Jesus, we just thank you. God, you're near to the lowly, you're near to the downcast. Lord, you care about even our bodies, you care about us getting dressed, you care about our souls, you care about us and our attitudes towards you. You did amazing work of transforming us, God, even we don't even know what's going on. And Lord, we just want you. you. And you're still small who being in like, at times of, of Mark Cornell's where we're just seeing you move and excited about it. And, and those times where we're just like, I'm quitting, I'm done. Uh, so I need to get out of here because the project's burning off. Lord, you're there for all of us every time I, I pray if there be any here that it's yet to really come to that place that they've just been jumping from limb to limb and not having a resolve in their heart that they're yours and they're gonna live for the one true God that showed up for Elijah. I pray that you give strength and just give their lives to you. That you give them that faith for the rest of us to come to that place, Lord, give us that other faith that'll take us to whatever's next and and really take us to a place of total dependence upon and total dependence upon you working in the lives, and i the because you're great, and we love you. Thank you, thank you for being such a blessing.